Naaman spent most of his life heavily armored, but the scripture doesn't focus on what he did while he was in his armor. Rather, it focuses on a secret problem going on beneath his armor. In Naaman's case, there was a weakness growing underneath his strength. I think that's relative to us. Have you ever had a weakness growing underneath your strength? Second Kings verse, or chapter 5 verse 1 lists five qualities about the man's character. He was a commander, which means he had worked his way up the ranks. It was merit-based promotion. It says he was a great man in the sight of his master. That means he was trustworthy. He had good character. He was an honorable person. It says he was highly regarded. And then it says through him, the Lord had given victory. He was a victory producer. Naaman was a game changer. There's some people that if you get them in the company, they're just a game changer. If you get them on the staff, they're just a game changer. Everything. If you get them on the team, they're just a game changer. Naaman was that kind of guy. Then the scripture says he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Naaman has reached the zenith of success. He's a national hero. The king is indebted to him. He's got political sway and connections. His finances are growing. But he had a secret problem, undetectable by the masses. Naaman was a leper. And like Naaman, so many of us got it going on on the outside. Got everything dressed up on the outside. But all of us are hiding something underneath our armor. Look at your neighbor and say, what you got under there? <laughs> Naaman would go home and deal with problems that no one on the outside knew about. And the truth of the matter it is, no one really knows what it costs you to be you. No one really knows what, what you have to do to get up in the morning and put on your armor and go to work and deal with the problems you deal with and deal with the relational ties that you have and then go home and deal with the family. And when you finally get a little bit of time for you, you're dealing with an oozing, nasty, rotting problem and nobody knows. Sometimes even the people closest to you do not know about the problem going on underneath your armor because some of us have to live in our armor. Some of us, the people close to us or people in our house could not deal with all of the real and the raw of who we are. So some of you have to spend most of your time in your armor. And when you finally get a few moments to take it off, nobody knows what it's really like to be you. And that's why I love God because God is the only one that really knows what's going on with God is the only one that understands the pressure and the pain and the expectations and the disappointments. God is the only one who knows what we're thinking and knows what our heart is forming. God knows. I don't need a God to polish up my armor on the outside and, and posture me out to the outside world. I need a God who knows how to fix the inward secret crisis that's going on with me. And I'm thankful 
thankful that he doesn't have to take time to diagnose me. When he looks at me, he knows. He sees my past. He sees my future. He sees my present. He knows all about it. He knows the secret problems. I just feel in my spirit to tell somebody, he's God over your secret problems, over the problems you can't tell anybody because they would walk out on you or they would misunderstand you or they would think differently of you. God said to tell you he's God of your secret problems. And you don't have to jump up and raise both your hands if you don't want to. You don't have to run all over this church. I don't want to blow your cover. But for everybody with a secret problem, God sent me here to tell you he knows all about it and the fix is on its way I don't know who that's for he knows all about it and the fig I can't stop saying it he knows all about it and the fix is on its way so Naaman is strong and weak at the same time succeeding and failing at the same time living his best life and his worst life at the same time. He's a secret leper. No hospital, no medication, no cure. Shallow people don't like paradox. Shallow people don't like polarity. Shallow people either want you to be all good or all bad. Their mind cannot comprehend the first five things the Bible said about him, that he was a good man, he was valiant, he had good character, the Lord had used him, he was a game changer, but he's also a leper. Shallow people can't wrap their minds around the fact that you can have a good, you can have good character and have an ugly problem. Sit there and look at me. You can have, you can be a good man and have a bad problem underneath your armor. You can be a good woman, but have a sick issue underneath your armor. It is possible to be both at the same time. It's possible to be winning in so many areas of your life and yet still be losing in a secret area. And the thing with Naaman that's so powerful, I think, is that his ability in warfare has an effect on the nation that can fix it. Any political or uh, issue with warfare that the nation gets in, if Naaman's there, just on his reputation alone, Naaman can fix it. He can fix a nation. But when he goes home, he can't fix himself. And some of you are like that. You're a fixer for other people. Anything somebody brings you that's broken, you can fix it. But what they don't know is when you hang up from talking to them, you're wrestling with a problem you cannot fix yourself. And I promise you, if you don't have it now, keep on living. You will encounter some problems that you cannot fix yourself. That's why you better have a God you can go to. Because when you run into problems that you cannot fix yourself, you need someone to take it to that's stronger than you are. But Naaman doesn't have a God. And he's got a problem he can't fix himself. 
So he does what we all do when we got problems we can't fix ourselves. He covers it up. I wonder how long you've been hiding what you couldn't cure. I wonder how long you've been concealing and covering what you couldn't fix. And he covers it because it is not safe for a man like Naaman to have a problem like leprosy. I'm going to say that again. It's not safe for a man like Naaman to have a problem like leprosy. You know, there's some problems in our society today. They weren't a problem 15, 20 years ago, but if you had that kind of problem today, it's not safe to have that kind of problem. What do you do when you have problems that aren't safe? You hide them. You can't tell anybody about that. You probably have, maybe some of you probably have one or two of those in your life right now, a problem you can't tell anybody about that. See, you don't get a lot of shouting and a lot of response with that kind of line, but, but you probably have a lot of truth. There's probably a lot of you that got a problem that it's not safe to have, and you can't tell anybody about that. In Naaman's society, in his day, it didn't matter what your rank was. It didn't matter how high you were upon the ranks of society. If you were a leper, they would put you out. If you were a leper, out of your house, out of the city, away from the people, banished to a leper colony. And isn't it funny? The whole nation benefited from his strength. The whole nation benefited from his resources. The whole nation benefited from his gifts. But one oozing problem, and they would have put him out. And it's amazing. I, I hate that about us as a society. I hate that. Somebody can serve you for 30 years and pour themselves into you, and you can be a recipient of the brightness of their mind and their resources and their gifts and their knowledge and what they have to offer the world. And then it goes public that they have one oozing problem, and all of the sudden you throw them away. Never want to see them. Never want to speak. Never want to admit that you ever got anything out of them. Want to get them as far away from you as you can, as if you never benefited from anything that they did. What is it about us that makes people so afraid to expose any area where they're wounded or they're oozing or they're hurting? You know what it is? We are the lynch mob. We will take you outside the gates of the city and banish you. We will take you outside of the gates of our society. We will take you outside of the gates of the church. We will take you outside of the gates of the community. We will take you outside of the gates of the marketplace, and we will wash our hands with you if we find out that you're not as perfect as your armor appears. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And because it is, you hide it. People find out one weakness about you and watch how they look at you different for the rest of your life. 
people find out one flaw. Sit there and look at me. People find out one flaw in your character and watch how they don't use you in business as much anymore. People find out one stain on your resume and watch how they don't want to touch you. You could have, you could have something on your, on, on your record that you did when you was being stupid and you were 17 years old. You're 47 now, have all kind of accomplishments, have done amazing things. You're not even the same person that you were back when you were 17. But when they're interviewing you for the job, what always comes up? That one thing. And it's because of our mentality. We want to keep the lepers away from us. We want to keep the broken away from us. We want people to hide their issues. Don't air it out in public. Don't let anybody know how sick and twisted you really are because we don't want to deal with you. And it's like that now. And it was like that then. And so every day, whether he needed to do it or not, Naaman put his armor on. He's in his home country putting his armor on. It's a shame when you got to dress up in your armor at home. for there ain't no archers there ain't no arrows yeah there is there's the arrows of their opinions there's the arrows of their scowls there's the arrows of how they will talk about you behind your back and air out dirty laundry and embellish it and make it worse than it was just because they saw one little area where you were weak naming had to cover it up and you do too couldn't cure it and he couldn't move to the leper colony so he covered it so now he's got two things going on number one he's got leprosy that's bad enough number two he's got the stress of hiding it I wish I could take a minute I don't have time I wish I could talk about the stress of hiding problems have you ever had to carry the weight of the stress of hiding your problem. And so Naaman is rotting while he's walking. The leprosy is causing him to rot on the outside. The stress of hiding it is causing him to rot on the inside. And stress every day, high stress every day, will rot your organs from the inside out. And the only people that know about it is his wife and her maid. Verse 2. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl. They're just a young girl. That's all they thought about her. They didn't even put her name. Just raiders that were gathering up the, the spoil from the victory Syria had over God's people. They were going through the countryside. It's not bad, it's, but not enough that they killed their men and their, the husbands and the brothers and the uncles. And the, it's not, it's not, not just that. They took this little girl out of her home and they sold her as a slave to the general 
who had conquered the nation. And he took her in and he just presented her to his wife. She was an anniversary gift. She, her life. Here, baby, I got you something. Here's a little girl to serve you. Wait on you hand it for you. Don't have to worry about doing the dishes no more, honey. She's got it. You don't have to worry about cleaning up around here. She's got it. You don't have to worry about you just relax. She's going to do all of the things for the household. She's yours. A young girl from Israel. And Naaman had no problem exposing his secret to this young girl. She's just the maid. She's a slave in his house. She has no money. She's not getting paid for her service. She's forced into working all day for nothing because of where she was living at the time of his victory. She's a person just like the rest of them, but because of her circumstances, now she is forced into slavery. And it seems that her destiny is no more than just serving a great man's wife. But in spite of all the negative factors against her, the Bible doesn't tell us her name. It doesn't tell us her age. It doesn't tell us about her family. The only thing the Bible tells us is that she was from Israel which means she was a descendant of Abraham, which means she was an heir to the promise of the blessing, which means at birth she had been blessed by God. And if you ever get blessed by God, they can separate you from your family and your country. They can imprison you and take your freedom. They can take you away from your culture and your mama and all the people that love you. And they can put you in a strange place. But no matter how far your circumstances take you down, if you've ever been blessed by God, somehow, some way, blessed people always rise back up to the top and I want to tell you the blessing is not what you drive and and the blessing is not your house and the blessing is not your clothes and the blessing is not your bank account the blessing is in you because they could take your clothes you'd still be blessed they could take your car but you'd still be blessed they could take you out of San Antonio and pop you right down in a place you had never been before but if you've ever been blessed by God the blessing goes with you wherever you go it shows up wherever you show up is there any Anybody that's been blessed by God. She's just a nameless maid, but she's blessed anyway. I don't know about you. I know what it's like to be blessed anyway. When you look at all of the statistics and then you look at my life, when you look at it all on paper, it does not make sense. When you add up everything and you say this is the value of what the person should have and then you really look in reality and see I've got far more value on the inside. I've got far more value in my life than the statue 
sheet show because my circumstances do not define my value the blessing of God does and there's some people in this room that know what I'm talking about you got jobs that you didn't qualify for you got blessings you didn't serve you got doors open that there was no natural way for the door to open and the reason is your value is not on a sheet of paper your value is in the blessing of God I'm blessed anyway She was getting up every morning as a slave, but she was saying, I'm blessed anyway. As she was taking out the trash, she was taking it out blessed anyway. As she was serving the family, she was serving saying, I'm blessed anyway. The circumstances do not reveal it yet, but you will see before this thing is over that you're dealing with a different one now. You will see before this thing's over that there's something on me there's something about me there's something in me that is different I'm walking around with something that is different I'm thinking different speaking different acting different believing different because the blessing of God is on me so he's got that kind of girl in his house and she just said young she's just a little girl Naaman's a big man she she doesn't look strong compared to Naaman but in her own way she's stronger than he is I don't want to talk to me this morning see it's all about perspective sometimes the difference between depression and praise is all in how you look at it big she's little but in her own little way she's bigger than he is because Naaman's strength is based off what he's done but her strength is based off who she knows and who you know will always outweigh what you can do I feel it oh I feel it I cannot do the impossible I'm gonna go ahead and preach I feel it I cannot do the impossible but I know somebody hey I said I know somebody I cannot walk on water I said I cannot walk on water He's a way maker, miracle worker, 
promise keeper, light in my darkness, does anybody know the Lord? One day, a little maid girl, don't even have a name in scripture, walked in the kitchen and her mistress, name his wife, was over in the corner crying. Why are you crying, ma'am? Is there anything I can get you? Oh, honey, it's all right. I'm crying because Naaman's leprosy is getting worse. Don't know what we're going to do. We may not be able to stay here very much longer. We may be moving to outside the city so he can live in the colonies. I, I don't know what we're going to do. And, and when the little girl saw how much stress she was under hallelujah it's important to have your kids in children's ministry it's important to talk about the things of god with your kids it's important to pour it in them when they're early she she started saying well well in in, in my in my nation in my little city when somebody got leprosy we'd go see the prophet every time anybody that had leprosy went and saw the prophet he gave him a word from god and everybody that got a word from god got healed and and i just believe that mr naaman would go see this prophet in samaria that he could get healed too now folks you got to read between the lines here this is a foreign slave living in a dignitary's house she didn't just say this once they're not going to take her counsel as an esteemed member of society off one time. She had to tell them every day, Mr. Naaman, I sure hate to see you suffering. There's a prophet in Samaria. She probably told him stories. There was this fella in our village named Joe, and Joe had leprosy real bad. But when Joe went to see the prophet Naaman, the prophet Elijah, he got a word. And when he got a word, God healed him. And she began to testify over and over and over and over again. And the testimony kept penetrating their heart to the point that they started to consider it. Now, in essence, word gospel means good news. Say it. Word gospel. Good news. In essence, this girl is a captive preaching the gospel to her captors. In essence, she's ministering to them. She's saying, there's a prophet for that. Oh God, feel it. What, what you got going on? Let me see them sores. Yeah, there's a prophet for that. There's a word for that. It may be impossible with natural medicine, but there's a prophet for that. Whatever you got going on this morning, I want to tell you there's a prophet for that. There's a word for that. There's a supernatural, miraculous fix for that. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the doctors have said. If you can believe it, there is a word of God that will touch your spirit and manifest healing in your life. There's a prophet for that. He would cure him of his leprosy. Now consider the ministry of the maid. She's been wrongfully taken captive and sold as a slave in his house. She has every right to be bitter and angry. 
she has every right to let him rot. If this would have been the wrong maid, Naaman would have been dead. See, the real test of character is what you do when you have power. See, this girl ain't had power this whole time, but when she realized his secret that he had leprosy, now because of her knowledge, her knowledge makes her the most powerful person in the house. So character is revealed, not how you live and how you do when you're on the bottom. Character is revealed by how you act and how you deal with people when you are on the top. I also want to point out to you that Naaman was wealthy and he had a lot of resources and he's been going all over his country and everywhere else trying to find a cure. And while he's been searching high and low for a cure, the only person that has the answer that can cure him is living in his own house. I say this to you prophetically, your answer is closer than you think. That thing you've been beating your head against the wall trying to figure out, and there's not an answer for it. God tell me to tell you, your answer is closer than you think. So all of a sudden we begin to realize she was held captive by divine appointment. that God allowed her to get captured by that particular band of raiders. God allowed Naaman to go down to the slave market on that particular day. God allowed Naaman to say, no, 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 I want that one and pick her out. And he's got the girl that's in the right place at the right time with the right knowledge. I know where the prophet's house is. God was using her crisis of being captured and taken away from her family and out of her country. He ordered her steps into trouble so she would be right where she needed to be, right when she needed to be there, with the knowledge that she had, so that when the problem of the leprosy arose, the answer was already in the house. Let me tell you, before your problem arrived at your door, God's already put an answer somewhere in your life, somewhere in your circle. There's a solution to somewhere around you. I don't know what you're depressed over. I don't know what you're crying over, but whatever it is, before it showed up, God already had the answer planted somewhere in your life. You may need to get out your broom and sweep. You may need to go through your contacts list. You may need to search the house, but somewhere close to you, there's an answer you hadn't considered yet. And it showed up before the problem ever started. No one realized it, not even the girl, not even Naaman until afterwards. No one realized it. But the problem was serving the purpose of God. I'm going to say it again. The problem was serving 
the purpose of God. We'll find it out later. Naaman's problem was serving the purpose of God. The little girl's problem was serving the purpose of God. And as a person of faith, you have to believe that God is using even your problems to manifest his purpose in your life. Everybody prays, Lord, order my steps until he orders your steps into trouble. And I want to ask you, is he only God on the good days? I want to ask you, is he only God when everything's going right? Could it be possible that God has a purpose for your problem that you haven't seen yet? If he could get purpose out of something like leprosy, if he could get purpose out of something as horrendous as enslaving a person, after all of it was over, the purpose of God prevailed, surely he can cause purpose to come out of your situation. In fact, if you are a believer, you got to walk around with Romans 8, 28 emblazed on your heart so that no matter what comes against you, you put it in the proper context. If you are a believer, then this is your destiny. We know that all things, not some things, not a few things, not just the good things, not just the nice things, all things work together for the good of them that love God, watch it, that are the called according to his purpose. If I was called according to my own purpose, I wouldn't have this confidence. But I have confidence that no matter what I go through, it will end up good. No matter how bad it is now, it will end up good. No matter how broken it is now, it will end up good. No matter how sick it is now, it will end up good because... For believers, God uses our problems. See, God never wastes trouble. God never wastes trouble. For believers, God uses our problematic situations as an opportunity to manifest his purpose and to make it work for our good. I know God, I don't know where you are that I'm talking to, but, but whoever it's for, I know you're hurting. I know that thing's complicated. And I know you don't have an answer for it. But God stirred my spirit to the point that I couldn't sleep and spoke to me all through the night, robbed me of my rest to come in here and tell you that thing is going to work for your good. I don't know how, I don't know when, but you mark it down, you write it down. Before the end of this thing, that thing is going to work for your good. So the maid is just every day just telling him, I know where he's at. I know you can get healed. I know this will work. And she told him so much. That they said, okay, we'll go to the king and we'll see if we can arrange transport out of this country into Israel and get everything cleared because we don't want to start another war. We just had one. But, but I was thinking to myself, a vengeful person would have never told him. A vengeful person would have just been over in the corner filing their nails, watching him rot all the way down to the bone. She could have held back what she had the power to do. 
But the problem is, if you hold back on what you can do, God will hold back on what he can do. You have to pass the test. Can I help someone who has hurt me? Let that sit on you a minute. Can I benefit someone who has burdened me? Can I be good to someone that's been evil to me? The key to the girl's deliverance was in what she was willing to give up. See, this knowledge was the only thing she had. Only thing she had. They had taken every other bastion of freedom and dignity from her. They just couldn't take her knowledge of God. So the tendency is you want to hold on to the one thing they can't take. But instead of holding on to the one thing they couldn't take, she decided to open it up and give it away freely every day to the point that she convinced them to try her God. So she passed the test. Now Naaman has to pass a test. He went to the king, said, I need a letter of passage to go to Israel. And uh, I want to start a war or nothing. I just need you to give me. And the king's indebted to Naaman because Naaman's won all his battles. So, so he sends it. And Naaman saddles all his possessions that he wants to take and give as a gift. And he goes. And he's frustrated that he has to go. Because in his mind, he's thinking, I just finished conquering these people. Now I got to go back to the people I conquered and ask for help. It's bad when you beat somebody down. Walk away with your chest out. And then got to go right back. Two of Bishop's wisest sayings that I find myself saying. I just think they're so wise. Number one, it says, you never know who you're going to need. Number two, I like this one. I don't fully understand it, but I like it. It goes along that. It's, you never know how the bones are going to grow. So he's got to go back. Now, the prophetic metaphor is this. He can't get what he needs in the outside kingdom, the kingdom of this world. He's got everything that kingdom has. Money, rank, prestige, power, and a whole lot of pride. But the one thing he needs can only be received in the kingdom of God. So he's got to make a journey from one kingdom into another. And the first thing you got to do to get into this kingdom is you got to humble. 
don't know if you know how good this is. So he humbles himself and he goes back to the kingdom. And when he gets to the man of God's house, he doesn't, let me be careful. He doesn't know how to approach a man of God. It's hard for me to say it because I am a man of God. There's an approach. There's a decorum, not because the man is special, but because he's carrying the words of God. So there's an approach. It's why getting and staying in church is important, because if you have any kind of a decent leader over time, you will learn some decorum. You will learn some approach. You will learn some ethics. You will learn that things go on in this kingdom differently then they go on in that kingdom. And uh, so Naaman goes and uh, you, uh, you, you didn't go to the man of God's house unannounced. Okay. Because he had to serve the nation anyway. He was the nation's prophet, which meant he was always on call to the king and the government. So when you're a person that lives your life on call, when you do have a few moments at home, you don't like to be disturbed. And Naaman, this foreigner, just shows up knocking on his door. There was a way to set this up to where he could get a meeting with the man of God. But because he's from an outside kingdom, he didn't know decorum. He didn't know the approach. So the man of God, maybe he was praying, maybe he was taking a nap, maybe he was doing whatever he was doing. He, someone's banging at his door. He says, who is it? It's a guy named Naaman. Oh, go tell him. And I love, I love the power demonstrated in the text because the word of God was so powerful and the ministry of the prophet so powerful that a word secondhand was enough to produce the miracle. Just go tell him. I said to Go down to the Jordan, uh, dip seven times, and he'll be healed. And, and I love it because the man of God is not moved by his prestige. He's not moved by the fact that he had just conquered their nation. He's not trying to gain his favor. The man of God has the assignment just to give him a word. It's hard for me sometimes pastoring people because my calling is kind of right on the edge of two. There's an apostolic calling it's really prevalent where I give people messages or words from God, but then you have to pastor people. And in pastoring, sometimes you have to live life together. You have to have all kinds of conversations that aren't necessarily in that apostolic realm. And sometimes it can get skewed and sometimes it can get misunderstood for what it is. And what I love about the prophet here, he doesn't want his words to be polluted by a greeting. Hi, how you doing? I'm Elisha. Oh, you're Naaman. Oh, you came here from Syria. Oh, you got leprosy. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do, Naaman. I'm going to lay hands on you and pray. And uh, as we pray, we're going to believe that God is going to. He doesn't say all of that. He just direct 
from mouth to ear. That's the best way to get a word. Come into church. You don't need to come shake my hand and give me a hug and give me a high five and ask me how my family's doing. If you're desperate and you're in need from a word and you come in here and sit under the preaching, God will send a word mouth to ear, spirit to spirit. And that word is strong enough. If you don't have no relationship with no preacher, the word is the power, not the man, not the name, not the microphone, not the platform. The word is the power. is so powerful he just sends it just second hand go tell him when he does the other part that that's that's because Naaman's from an outside kingdom I'm taking too much time with this uh, if you need to leave you I, I won't be bad I promise I won't say anything to you if you need to leave I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and preach this uh, The other thing he doesn't understand is a man of God's servant was not like Naaman's servant in the kingdom of God. Servants are esteemed in the kingdom of God servants. That's the highest rank in the kingdom of God. You want to be big in the kingdom of God? What did Jesus say? The greatest shall be the servant. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Naaman thinks he's insulting him by sending a servant. What Naaman doesn't realize because he doesn't know decorum is, this ain't Elijah. This is Elisha, who himself started as a servant to Elijah. In other words, oh, Holy Ghost, thank you. In other words, Elisha sent down his future. Elisha sent down his future to talk to a man who wasn't sure that he had one. Naaman's eating up with lepers and he don't know if he has a future. So Elisha sends his future down to speak. If you'll go dip seven times in the Jordan, you'll have a future too. But he doesn't understand decorum. He doesn't understand generational leadership. He doesn't understand that Jesus said, when you have seen the Father, you have seen me. And when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He doesn't understand that when you're a man of God carrying a mantle of your apostolic father, that when you see the man and the mantle, you see the Father. When you see the Father, you see the man and the mantle. He wasn't insulting him by sending his servant. He was blessing him. But Naaman took it as an insult because he was from an outside kingdom. So he said, uh, I'm leaving. Man didn't even come down here and speak to me. And he told me to go dip in the Jordan River. The Jordan was where Israel emptied their sewage. I ain't lying. Look it up. And I don't know who you think I am.
you basically just told me to go eat. Right? Don't you think he thought that? Because see, Naaman had just conquered their people. Now the conqueror comes back to ask for something because he's in a bad spot and he comes to the prophet and the prophet says, oh yeah, go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. Naaman's thinking, oh, you're, you're trying to get me. You're trying, that's what you're, you're trying to get me. But he doesn't understand decorum. He doesn't understand that you will not find one miracle. Go through your Bible. Try to find it. I'll give you $10,000 if you do. You won't find one miracle in your Bible that was released from God Almighty without an instruction. If you want a miracle, there's got to be an instruction in order for the faith that it takes to receive a miracle to be proven. You don't have faith because you say, I believe. You have faith when you act on what you believe on. I ain't doing it. Go to the Jordan River. I got rivers in my own country that are way cleaner. Way cleaner than that. I ain't doing that. Pack everything up. Let's go home. Tip in the Jordan River. And one of his servants said, um, Mr. Naaman, see all this money we got here and all this stuff we brought. Um, you, you were prepared to do a great thing, a complicated thing, a difficult thing. Why not go try the instruction? See if it works. So Naaman goes down to the Jordan. And this whole time, the maid... The slave girl in Israel, she had to pass the test of will you help when you've been hurt. Naaman's got to pass the test. Will you humble yourself to be healed? Look at all the ways God's made him humble himself. He had to take the advice of a slave girl in his own house. This man's used to taking counsel and advice with kings. And now he's having to bend down and listen to advice from somebody he bought. He had to humble himself. He had to go seek out a prophet he had never met to get a word from a God that he didn't believe in. And now he's being sent to the filthiest river in the region and told to dip his head in seven times. question is, not can God do it. Questions never can God do it. Question is, how bad do you want it? Whatever you're dealing with this morning, there's a miracle for it. There's an instruction that can be obeyed that can produce a miracle. It's not a matter of if God can do it. The question is, how bad do you want it? So he goes down, and I can see this in your mind. Maybe you can too. I can see him standing there in his royal robes, 
He's standing there in Gucci robes, you know. I don't know what you do when you're in Gucci. I just assume it's something like that. I don't know. squishing between my toes. Oh. I don't even want to know what that is. First dip, and you know he looked. Still leprous. Why did I let you talk me into this? I wanted to go home. Try one more time, sir. Six times it ain't got no better. Because the instruction doesn't work until it's obeyed. And six ain't seven. I gave $20, but you didn't give your tithe. And six ain't seven. There's that inconvenient scripture obedience is better. So it sounds like a simple point. So many believers get stuck in their Christian lives between six and seven. That's how Abraham started. God showed up to Abraham. I'm preaching too long. God showed up to Abraham and said, get thee out of that country away from thy kindred and from thy father's house, all your relatives to a land that I will show you. So Abraham did, but he took Lot with him, his nephew and six. Ain't seven. Abraham struggled and did not receive the promises of God in their fullness in his life until he separated from Lot. God loves you enough and his grace will cover you. But if he promised you this, if you do that, this ain't coming until that is done. Amen. And he goes down the seventh time and he comes up completely healed. Completely healed. Completely healed. I don't know who it's for, but the Holy Spirit instructed me to tell you you're one dip away. Yeah. You're one dip away. Your father loves you, he's put in your heart a conscious. He's put in your heart a desire. He's put in your heart a knowledge of him. And you know enough of his words, some of you. You know there's some things that you've stopped at six. Lord, I know you told me to purge my life, but I know I'm still doing this. Six will never be seven. Lord, I know you, I know you told me to, to separate and cut off from that one and to, and to put those childish things behind me, but you've kept 
two or three toys and six will never be seven. And the release of your promise is never an issue of can God. It's always how bad do you want it? Can you? Do you have the humility and the faith, the obedience to go down one more time? Now you take that. You put it wherever in your life it's needed. It's a word from God for your situation. But I believe your miracle is coming. I believe a divine supernatural thing that only God can do will explode in your life when six becomes seven. I believe when you humble yourself and you enter into this kingdom, when you help people who have hurt you, when you pass the test, when you obey the instruction, when six becomes seven, that's when everything changes. Stand to your feet. Give the Lord a praise. You know it, sing it with me. You call my raging sea. You walk with me through fire. You heal all my disease. I trust. I trust in you. Come on, congregation, sing it with us. Say, I believe. you to get a seed in your hand or whatever the Lord instructs you to do. Pray this with me, Lord. I know I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed to be a blessing to your kingdom. What would you have me sow today? What would you have me give today? Give me an instruction that'll release a miracle. In Jesus' name. Whatever the Lord's challenging you to do, get you an offering. We give our tithe in the beginning. That belongs to God. We give our offering at the end. That belongs to us. We give it away to him because we love him and we believe he's a God that responds when we sow. And so I want you to get an offering of some kind. Get an offering to bring before God. Marvelous healing work in the room. If you're sick in your body, the book of James says for the elders of the church to come and the elders of the church to lay hands and pray. I want the elders of the church to come. If you're sick in your body in any area, if you're sick in your body in any area, come to the altar. We want to pray with you. 